for the... What is nothing? Yeah, that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? That's deep, bro. That's Deep Bro. I am your host, Christina P. Thank you for downloading this episode of That's Deep Bro. A little bit of business. November 18th, I will be in Houston, Texas at the Come and Take It Comedy Festival just for one night. Uh, One night only. One show only. Um, November 18th in Houston. I'm doing the Comedy Store a bunch these days. I usually do the Saturday early show in the original room because I like to be home in bed by 10 p.m. I mean, look, what kind of lunatic stays out late past 10? Get your life. Okay. So today's episode is with Kelly McLean, and I met her. um, She interviewed me for this LA Weekly article about women in podcasting, and we got to talking. She has a podcast called The Tao of Comedy, uh, which I will be a guest on as well, so you can hear me on there. And I got interested in her story because uh, her brother passed away suddenly two years ago, and um, and she's been in the grieving process. And as you know, on this show, I like to get into the real um, the real stuff. And and I know that I get a, I get a lot of emails about grief and how to deal with it and how do you move on? What do you do? And grieving doesn't just have to be for the death of a person. It can be the death of a relationship, the death of a goal. Um, sometimes the death of an actual person too, but, um, it's a, it's a real part of life. It's just a part of everyday life. And I wanted to, um, bring her on and discuss it because she was going through what I was going through, which is known as complicated brief, complicated briefs, complicated grief, complicated grief. When maybe the relationship with a person, uh, when that person was alive, wasn't necessarily the best. And, um, and what do you do when that person kicks the bucket? Because we all kick the bucket. I don't know if you know that, but, (laughs) uh, yeah, it's a fact of life. And I really like her take on this, um, subject and she's kind of become the, uh, the death expert in a weird way. Uh, you'll see, she's going to bring it up. Let's get into it. I I've been obsessed with goth music again. I'm going through some kind of midlife crisis where I want to go dance at a goth club, but I want to like get in a time machine and travel back to the nineties and go to the place that I used to go to. It was called Helter Skelter. It no longer, I don't, I doubt it exists, but I actually Googled goth clubs and, um, the hit, the club opened at 10 PM and I was like, Nope, I'm out. Nah, I can't do that. That's right when I'm, I'm falling asleep is 10 PM now. <laughs> Can you believe that? How depressing would my former goth self think I am now at 41 years old? Could you imagine telling your 15 year old self in a few years from now, the thought of going out at 10 will be simply dreadful. Okay, let's get into it. I'm really into Christian death these days. All right, let's get, uh, let's get deep on it, bros. Hey, 
Okay, we are rolling. So with me is Kelly McLean. Hi. Hi. And we met like, uh, like, how dare you drop my dog on the floor? <laughs> Your friend is here and Bitsy <laughs> jumped on the ground. Um, we met because uh, she was writing an LA weekly article on women in podcasting. And, and I used it as a sneaky way to meet Christina <laughs> P. There you go. <laughs> And I, I really, I liked you. I thought you're so smart. And uh, I did, we, I did a little digging on the Google. And you're like, I'm so amazed with you because you're a 30 year old woman who's figured shit out way earlier. You're so nice because I walk in here and like em- embarrassed to be me when you're you. You know what ah, I mean? I'm like, stop. she's so amazing. You're sweet. Anyway, so we just did an episode. We recorded. It, it already be out on the Dow of Comedy. That is your podcast yes and we had a crazy mind-blowing um fucking deep as shit convo we heard the arc of christina's character arc of her <laughs> spiritual religious life yeah which basically came to fruition one month ago there you go i just had an, <laughs> I had an epiphany in my backyard so you can hear the that conversation on the dow of comedy is available yep. on itunes itunes and stitcher and DowPodcast.com. i love it so i was drawn to you because um Hey, I think you're so smart and I could, I could tell over the phone, you know, when you tell you meet somebody and you're like that, that yes, the tribe, you're, you're a member of the tribe, you get it. And then you mentioned that you, you had, uh, well, let's start, let's start back. Let's get these people yeah. a little bit of a background about your life. So who are, who are you and what's your deal? That's such a terrifying question. You always <laughs> start Yes. Like, yeah. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. Who am I? Yeah. What is my deal? Well, how about you just your, um, your story? I was, so bit. I was born in Boulder, Colorado. Awesome. Which is for people who don't know, it's like the capital of the green woke hippie gluten-free like gluten-free patient zeros definitely from boulder (laughs) like rei is our prada it's or lululemon you know it's that that world which is both beautiful because there are there's a lot of seeking consciousness and meditation and yoga and everybody made fun of them you know the other people in boulder make fun of those people but like the hippies keep turning out to be right you know what i mean everyone yeah. was like laughed at them for the way that they ate and yoga and meditation and drugs and now it's like oh yeah and psilocybin's actually great for mental health <laughs> right <laughs> they're all they keep turning out to be right so it was a great place to grow up from that point of view and then at the same time um it's kind of white bread it's pretty yeah white wealthy like i thought i was i thought my family was legitimately poor like we were fine everyone else was just like really rich you know we were just sort of middle class um so it's also kind of a sheltered space to grow up in at the same time um but i was raised by by buddhists who like kind of white buddhists white buddhists you know flower children who dropped dropped everything to follow a Tibetan Buddhist meditation master who came over on foot and they <laughs> met him. Chugyam Trungpa Rinpoche is his uh-huh, name. Yes. You might have heard no, of him. Never, okay. never. We'll say it again. Yeah, you're like, did you sneeze? Bless yeah. you. Like, Chugyam Trungpa. <laughs> uh, Chugyam yeah. Trungpa is his name. Chugyam Trungpa. He's, he's he known from? well. He's from Tibet and he's he's known well in the uh, shut in up. Buddhisty circles. Yeah. So it was me. <laughs> Hates Tibetans, this dog. Yeah, well, he's so prejudiced. <laughs> Would you stop it, Schnitzel? Just hit her really hard. No, um, <laughs> yeah, so, so they Tibetan, both met him when they were, you know, respective late teenagers and were like, this blew my mind and I'm, this is now what I want to follow. That's so, so awesome. So my dad oh. helped. Um, he was one of the first um, 
like assistant presidents or whatever of uh, Naropa University, which was the kind of Buddhist university that was started. And my mom was there. And so, yeah, I grew up in this weird counterculture of, you know, little white Buddhist kids. I love it. And how old were they when you were born? My dad was 36 and okay. my mom was 28. Okay. So they, they waited. Yeah. Well, minute. no. Yeah. Because, well, my dad had two boys and my mom had two girls from a previous marriage and they both oh were getting God. divorced, like miserable clusterfuck, like really a bad time to have a child. Oh, but my mom said the moon was calling her to have a child, <laughs> Okay, which my dad didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you hear a lot of sentences like that? Like the moon is yeah, calling Yeah. Well, my me. mom's an astrologer. Her mother was also half Cherokee and like had this kind of Cherokee mysticism thing, like tarot. She was an alchemist. Uh, I'm sorry. It's pronounced tarot. Oh, Isn't sorry. it tarot? I don't know. Is <laughs> it? I hear people saying tarot. Tarot. Doreen tarot. Virtue says tarot. And I want tarot. to blow my brains out every time I hear it. It's not, it's not tarot. It's definitely not. And it's not astrology. Astrology. (laughs) I've never heard that one yet. So, okay. So she, your mom is super. So she had all that, like her mom was very smart and, and went from being, um, (laughs) this shit would make me so angry. Like I'd be so angry all the time. If my mom was like, you know why you're saying that? It's because the moon is in Libra. My mom thinks legitimately that (laughs) she she has an excuse to be a bitch. She'll be like, oh honey, suck it up. Mars is in my first house. I'm going to be, this is all year. But she's oh, also God. like legitimately psychic, witchy kind yes. of like, so she's also right. She's usually right. But then she also uses it as an excuse for like, she's like, yeah, I'm just going to be, she's like Jupiter's in my whatever. I'm going to be fat right now. <laughs> she's like, don't even bother giving me diet tips because this is just how it's going to be for a year. That's Which so is, funny. Can be, yeah. And it's charming and it can be a little, you know. The Tibetan and mysticism thing has its own theism to it, right? Oh, my God. Where you're like, okay, this is still just all fairy tales. Yeah, right. It's still a mythology of sorts. And, right. And it's it's a way to make sense of the world. It's storytelling that makes sense. It right. resonates with... But then with I also think that just like other storytelling, I think that tarot and... Um, astrology are ways that you can just like they're channels for wisdom it's like a language Mm. and i believe in human wisdom you know my mom has a lot of wisdom so i feel like when she goes into that mode like she'll give someone a straight like life coaching session that's amazing (laughs) and like changes their life and it's like well i don't know how much that had to do with venus you know yeah or or Uranus, but Uranus, or but it was her. But I see because I, I I had this thing with I saw a medium on a podcast, and the lady did say stuff that I was like, "How did you know that, dude?" And then and then I my shrink was like, "Yeah, it's really it could be." one person's unconscious reading another person's unconscious mind. Right. And I go, that's kind of legit too. So like, I don't know. Yeah. If it helps you, then great. Then it doesn't, it's irrelevant. So you have this mom and then what's your dad's situation? Well, my dad then is really like cynical. And every time my mom is giving an astrology reading, he walks through legit like every time and says, oh, is Venus in Uranus? To whoever's there and then leaves. (laughs) I love that joke though. (laughs) Solid. Solid job. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, not after 30 years. But, right. Yeah. You're like, um, so he's more, he was born and raised in Costa Rica. He's a oh. jungle boy. Ah. And then ah. they moved here. So he was li- like literally raised by uh, Costa Rican nannies. 
So he's the like slightly says like slightly racisty things and like has this <laughs> sense of humor. And I'm like, you guys know he he thinks he's Latino, so that's why he, he can say <laughs> he that. Thinks stuff. he can say that stuff. Awesome. Yeah. So he was more cynical, but I think they both had really traumatic childhoods. Mm. They were both kind of abandoned in their own ways. Mm. My mom grew up kind of in a drug denny situation, not from her parents, but because the kids were always left alone. And my dad had like, you know, he basically didn't have very present or warm parents and his dad was kind of emotionally abusive. Mm. So they both had this trauma and they got together in divorce, you know, in their respective divorces. So there was like this other layer of trauma. So I feel like their whole, you know, seeking out of a different, you know, philosophy and way of life was based in in that kind of searching for yes, searching. an answer. And I think it saved both of their lives, yes. frankly. Like my dad was a horrible alcoholic, like mm. went on a drinking binge on my due date. Like, <laughs> and Great. I was like, thanks a lot. Um, but luckily I was late. So he was there when I was born. Um, and yeah, I think that it did help them yeah. for sure. But so well, then I grew up in this this Buddhist kind of world. Wackadoo. Yeah, and patchwork family. I love it. So, yeah, I I guess in that time, it's like, you know, the self-help stuff didn't really take hold until like the 70s and 80s, I'm I'm thinking. Really? I mean, people didn't get into it. A little bit later. Yeah. So at the time, it was like people, I mean, it's around the time that people were like, oh, this, you know, guru's talking or this, this whatever. Right. It's like, well, Beatles were going to India around this time. Yeah. And TM was cool. So this awakening started. Right, and all the drugs at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> right. That really just really clarifies the mind <laughs> yeah. when you do a lot of LSD. <laughs> so, so this, so you have this this family, and then you go to college. You you are a journalism. Right. Major. Well, I actually moved out here when I was seventeen to, okay. and I went to the Groundlings and pursued oh, cool. the comedy thing. I did that and then too. I, oh, you did? Yes. Were you a Groundling? I did. I got through the intermediate, the second level, and then. I didn't want to pay for classes. So I was like, I can just do stand up for free. I can't fucking pay. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like six hundred dollars every yeah. six weeks. You're like, okay. It's so expensive. Not, not rich yet. No. Yeah. Um, so I did like the first half of that program and then I ended up going back home and going to college and then coming back and finishing the groundlings program. Oh, and good then for you. but then that was like as far as it went. Okay. So well really I did through their through through their third level, but that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So you can do like sketch and characters and, and stuff. Yeah. But then I fell in love with stand up more as okay. just a way of kind of, you know. Yeah. Bitching. I know. Cause like I, I felt so way. positive. They're like, you got to yeah. keep it positive. I'm like, I'm not that sure that's for me. Yes. And <laughs> your space work. Yeah. And I think, um, and my, my, whenever someone asks me in comedy, like, do you want to, what should I do? Should I do stand up or sketch? And I go, well, sketch is for them, the audience and stand up is for you. Meaning, like, you're more introspective as a stand-up. Right. Well, this is why I like to talk to stand-ups about, you know, spirituality and that kind of thing. Because who else is paid to sit around (laughs) and do fucking soul-searching and observing of, like, what's going on and And then then, make it interesting? Yeah, it's the best job Yeah, it's very introspective. Yeah, so you have to be a little It's a lot of self-reflection because you have to have enough self-deprecating stuff in yeah, there yeah, to be able to talk shit about everybody else. Yeah, it's such a, such a fine line. It's also contingent on winning their the audience approval. 
Like it's, oh, it's such a great, it's so great for your, if your childhood wiring is like mommy, daddy, listen to me, like me, you know, the yeah. approval, disapproval well, thing. Totally. You're like, oh, I love the tension of yeah. this. This feels so familiar. <laughs> I mean, I think that's why I got into it was because I was the youngest of this, you know, of uh, the Brady the blended bunch. family. And it was always like the girls versus the boys. Oh and God. so I was like, was in this on edge anxious place of like are the boys and girls going to be friends today like and oh, is it, am I, I going to feel like okay so I would be the like I would have to I feel like I had to evolve trying to be cute and funny and all of these things because when I had everyone laughing like really laughing I felt like everything was like totally fine like everyone's on the same page everything's positive right I feel like there's always some weird psychological something that makes you want to do this right yeah it's fucking nightmare it's it's all <laughs> if your childhood was a nightmare if you were a nightmare inside go do stand up yeah, yeah, yeah definitely that's interesting so you on on the Dow of comedy we discussed um the masculine and the feminine sides and how yeah. when you were hanging with your bros you were kind of a, one of the boys and then with the girls you're more girly and you yeah, can kind of navigate yeah we would navigate. like climb trees and like you know who can run out and touch the metal pole in the lightning storm <laughs> kind of thing which my dad supported <laughs> yeah, he would give us rad. a dollar for that kind of thing yeah. um, so there was like the more boys boysy daredevil side and then the girls were like super girls you know yeah orderly i know i hate all that stuff that stuff makes my asshole itch like the, the way a girl little girls would play you know like no these are the rules like i remember yeah. being a little girl and that was so important to follow the rules so. and and i like had a grudge against barbies because of oh, my, barbie. what my dad said but yeah we talked if about you had barbie. a barbie here right now i'd probably play with it <laughs> never got in my barbie time i know i didn't well we both didn't get barbie until we were like 12 years old which is too late because now totally you're like too late in puberty and you're like, fuck this bitch. <laughs> and you're like, why do I have nipples? She doesn't yeah. have nipples. Oh, she had no nips, <laughs> no slit. There was nothing. nothing. So weird. Uh, anyway, uh, fuck that. So, uh, but so then, okay. So now you have this, this wackadoo family and then suddenly out of the blue two years ago, what happens? So my brother had struggled with addiction his life like his since I was a kid um I feel like I'm making my childhood sound super dark which it was but it was also <laughs> it was also very you know a lot of love a lot of laughter and a lot of positivity along yes, with the, of the difficult struggle come on, yeah come on um but and I was like the love glue of the family I was close to everyone so as anyone knows who has been close to someone with addiction, it is, you know, not like fun addiction like me, you know, like, oh, she drinks a little too much wine most nights, like the serious, yeah. you know. And um, so he was kind of in and out of jail and in and out of surprise. He was sober for 11 years. Mm. His friend invited him to a wedding and gave him a glass of champagne, fucking crack <laughs> cocaine within months. Like, Rush. whoa, yeah, like yeah. not, not. Uh, literally a that black and white of a thing. He also moved home, which I think is really not good. At what age? You, well, not like to his parents' house, but oh, to oh. the the town he had been a, a <gasps> naughty kid in. And you See? were talking about this recently on your yes. podcast. Don't go home, addicts. No. Stay where you are. Yeah. If you're doing well somewhere, just thank your blessings and stay there. So anyway, yeah. he kind of had fallen off the wagon and... And on his 37th birthday, which which is coming right up, um, at 1 a.m., he got in a car after several drinks, 
and it was an icy night, and he drove off the road into a pond, mm. and so I and died, mm. and so I get a call when I'm like at breakfast outside of Swingers in Santa Monica, just like you know they're like pissed off that my kombucha didn't come fast enough. Right. Like right. this is the worst. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. God, my and life then, is so hard. And, then, yeah. and I always tell this and my mom's like, you don't have to tell this part. I get a text. <laughs> I have three missed calls from my dad, which I'm like, it's usually a butt dial if he's calling. Um, but so three missed calls from my dad and then a text message from my mom that says family emergency call dad with a crying cat emoji. Oh dear. I know. The emoji though. The emoji, but she is a children's book writer and illustrator. Okay. So that's how she sees the world as like an adorable animal. Well, I would say it, very interesting that she would have the wherewithal to put the emoji in because like when I found out the news that my mother died, I I was like so stunned. When you find out that somebody is dead, it's like the news does not register. You don't, I didn't even have a personality you know what I mean when that happens yeah. to think of an emoji is like, wow, she's really quite the character because she's quite the character and yeah. she has great children's books about meditation and, you know, but <laughs> I just got to say, uh, crying cat emoji, which of course, if anyone sends it to me now, I'm like in the corner, like rocking, <laughs> can we retire this? Uh, and I called my dad and I just, you know, he told me and I just crumbled on the street and I was, yeah. I literally was fake crying. Yeah. I was not because I just knew I should be crying, but I was totally stunned. I didn't even know what to believe. I mean, my yeah. dad, I thought he was drunk. I was like, you haven't had a drink in 30 years. What are you hysterically? But he had um, not. He had lost his son and he was just crying mm. like that. One of those guttural sounds you'll never in your life forget, you know? Yeah. And he told me Andrew's dead. And, it was just, I mean, even as I talk about it now, you know, your voice is just sort of like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Because I, like, I think, I mean, I'm the, I, this is why I wanted to have you on the show, because I get a lot of emails about grief. Mm-hmm. And it does. Because you know what? Yeah. I, heard, I heard this weird rumor that everyone dies. <laughs> <laughs> what? Wait a minute. But I can buy something Don't that will. Don't tell anyone else. Yeah, but if I buy that yeah. car, it's going to make me happy. Right? Remember <laughs> yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. The serum, it's going to erase this and then I won't have <laughs> They're uh, going to cure it. Don't worry. It's There's fine. hopes going to cure it before you're forever, we get there. You're live forever. Um, yeah. So a lot of people are walking around going, having right. had similar experiences, but as you and I both know, it's hard to bring up to people, even close friends. I mean, you actually lose friends when you go through something like yes. this. People are like, eh, death might be contagious or that yes. misfortune or more likely nobody taught any of us how to talk about this That's stuff, the real thing. Right. And it's like, yes. You want to, I saw a card, a grief card that said, I haven't been in touch because I really care so much and I just have no idea what to say. And I was like, there you go. It's just honest. You could just yeah. say that. Yes. Cause I, I think when people die, yeah, it is like crypt, like kryptonite or what's, I don't know what the thing is where you're, you're, people are repulsed by you and they simultaneously, I think feel badly for you and they don't know what to do. You don't know what to say. And God knows I wouldn't want people right. over. I mean, you don't want to talk about it. You don't want. <laughs> right. Well, the lady that away. shows up with the pot roast and knocks for 10 minutes also <laughs> sucks. <laughs> right. Just leave it on the porch lady. Yeah. So yeah, and, I, and I, so let's walk through it because, like I said, a yeah. lot of people email me about, "Hey, I I lost a girlfriend. I'm in grief. I lost 
whoever, death or just even like a breakup or, or something. And grief is a part of everyday life. You lose shit a lot. Absolutely. Right. Not just physical death of people. So, and I, the email I get is always, how can I get out of this? How can I solve this immediately? This feels terrible because it, it sucks. It does. And there's no, there is no easy way. And I, and I think it's, it is like, it's complex and it goes in circles and waves. And so there's that first thing of like, you find out someone's dead. And like you said, you, you cry, but you're not really crying because yeah, you're not I'm, even connected. It wasn't until later that I actually cried because you're yeah. just like, well, I know that, you know, t- this is bad yeah, and the worst, but it's like so bad that it's foreign. Maybe next time it won't be, but there's just this shock and it was almost just like an ice, like ice went over me and I just felt like totally paralyzed maybe is a good way to say it. Yeah. And then what'd you do that night? Um... I got on a plane, you know, with my now husband and, um, it wasn't until, you know, I was on the plane that I actually kind of fell apart and we just went home and went to bed. It was very, tried to eat. It was, you know, you don't really want to eat. You're just floating. You're just like floating and, you know, you don't know what's going, what's up and what's down. Yeah. It's so surreal. And then I took over the grieving, the like logistics of the funeral which made oh. me feel but the, it for me it made me feel so much better too. oh you liked it okay i good. needed like to have something tangible to just sit there with nothing was driving me like insane and to feel like there was some tangible way of processing so i said i think something about grief is it's good for people to know who you are and what you know what feeds your soul in a time like that because it's right. different for and other people couldn't in my family couldn't bring it to couldn't bring themselves to you know whatever p- talk to the mortician or oh, whatever you know worst. go through the you know I, try to oh, be upsold on the whatever oh that was the worst cremation shit that shit that man if i could recommend anything to anybody it's make your funeral arrangements before you die i complete <laughs> i completely agree god do it now do it now and make your you know DNR and all of that. Like, even if you're young, you want to yeah. get your shit together. There's actually a website called GYST, get your shit together, gist.com. Doing it. <laughs> and they, and it helps you get all your shit together before. Yeah. And like on a personal level as well. But yeah, yeah, make the arrangements before because it's like not what your family <sighs> needs. No, it's, there's nothing more surreal than you find out somebody's dead and then the next thing you know, you're filling out forms. And it's Those are like, like the two worst things, right? <laughs> like loss and paperwork, and we're combining them. Yeah. Like, can yeah. you laminate these papers, like, please? Why do I have to do that? And then, you know, answering questions like where they were born, what they're made, and, and you're just like, this is surreal. And because it's the first time you also see it written that that person's dead. There's deceased. definitely something to the black and white, like, yeah. you know, like on the death certificate. It's so final. It's like, here's your graduation certificate from life. Um, (laughs) It's so final. Like it just said, um, cause of death drowning on my breath. And I hadn't even thought of it that way because he was like out from the car accident. But but I can watch car accidents in movies and I can't watch drowning. And I'm like, maybe it's because I saw it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you read the thing and you're like, oh, pump, whatever the, the cause is. And you're like, oh, wow, this really happened. And then did they have his body or? Yeah, so they did. And I was the Frady cat that was like, I don't want to see my I didn't want to see my mom's. I didn't you know? see it. And I was like, it's so weird. And, you know, you're like, what if it moves? 
and um and my parents were like Kelly it's just Andrew it's just his body you love his body and we're just gonna go see it and I was like okay and then they wheel it in and there's like an old plaid blanket on it I'm like really can we Make this a little more ser- like I wouldn't sleep on that on your couch. Like yeah. this is nasty <laughs> ass resting blanket. Shitty blanket. Thank you. Um, which is why, and I now know morticians who say um, you, you should befriend a mortician because then when something like this happens, they can be there caring for the situation. You can have someone that you like relate to. So if you know any morticians, suck up to them because <laughs> it's nice in your dark hours to like leave your loved one's body in a cared for situation. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then we saw his body, and it was kind of fine. I thought it was really good too. It was finalizing. Oof. See, I, I declined just because I I hadn't seen her in eight years, so she had aged. Wow, too. that so that would yeah. have been particularly jarring. Yeah, so I was like, mm. Are you? Do you ever wish you had? Or nope. are you glad? Nope, glad you made I did. Right choice. Right choice. Because I I don't want to remember. I don't want my my memory of her to be how she looked dead. I yeah, just didn't think totally. that was. Yeah. But, oh, but they did sell me on the fingerprint necklaces. I don't know. Did you get that offer? Oh, they have so much amazing <laughs> loot. They're like, do you want me to take your loved one and make them a diamond? <laughs> yeah, I got... They, like, I don't know. Is it cheaper than regular diamonds? Yeah. It, no, of course not. It's a special <laughs> process. They yeah. suckered me into... Um, they took a, her thumbprint and then put it on a medallion and then it's on the necklace. And oh. I ordered a couple of those, but mm-hmm. I did it for my son in case he want whatever. Well, that's sweet. I mean, it's nice to keep that connection. <sighs> yeah. So but then it's also kind of weird. It's super weird. The people with the urn of ashes around their neck. I don't do that one. That one's also interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it but is. It's like whatever makes you feel better. Yeah. But it is. It's so funny because even the process of going to the mortician, picking out a coffin, and my favorite is when they're like, and this one has a lining to protect the body so it doesn't decompose as quickly. And you're like... <laughs> What kind of fucking denial? Like we're still in denial, yeah, and you're like, you're still here. <laughs> like, and you know what? I don't have a fucking cam down there watching the process. Yeah, difference does it make? They're gone. Yeah, they're still they're gone. gone. That's what I mean about I was saying in our last podcast. Like a lot of our world is geared toward like you know making our lives feel and seem permanent and that's what the yeah. formaldehyde and oh, the right, right, makeup right. and the you know yeah. caskets where you don't decompose kind of thing that's Such where bullshit. it's like trying to make uh, eternalism you know real yeah or my favorite yeah the 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 stone and the cemetery plot and now you right. have a pl- it's like yeah but are you really gonna visit like are we i personally i cremation all the way like just burn me throw me in yeah. a fucking jar forget about me scatter me in the ocean like i don't want to well, rejoining the earth me? seems yeah. to me more romantic than being in a <laughs> some sort of concrete box situation right so did you like i'm claustrophobic <laughs> yeah no thank you no thank you so did you what did you do with his body what did so you guys... we had him cremated mm-hmm. and we had like a little a little tibetan fire ceremony thing and i think any sort of ceremony or ritual that you can bring to it can be nice even if you make it up yourself you know like green burial is a thing now oh and families are like sometimes digging their own grave in green burial places that's so cool. there are all these other options opening up. I actually went to this thing called the Death Salon because there's this mm. whole death positive movement um, where they just kind of talked about 
death and you know they're like let's have the conversation that nobody's having right now Mm -hmm. and it's fascinating the kinds of options aquamation was legalized this week in california which is um the the water version of cremation Mm. or the mobster version (laughs) you put a body in like overly alkalized water and it dissolves and no one you know comes knocking with any questions that to me sounds efficient because there's nothing worse than when i picked up my mother's cremated remains they don't call them ashes cremated remains Uh and it it was like enormous huge it's it's so heavy. much yeah it's, this is like a, tw- a 30 pound did you thing. gain weight in those eight years or <laughs> yeah. what yeah you're a 30 and pound then it, was it a, we got we were cheap on it and we got a yeah. cardboard box which is still like a hundred bucks or yeah something. well no i didn't i i got i got like a cheap urn okay but it, it, cheap meaning like you know 400 bucks still right no you Jeez. can go like the 30 40 thousand if you want to go and for, for caskets especially <sighs> Um, it's a big industry. It's a big industry. So we scattered his ashes at um, a retreat center in Colorado where he, you know, he and I went to a camp that we, it was his favorite thing and he staffed it later. It was really fun. And mm-hmm. um, so we scattered the ashes there. And, you know, it feels like when I go back there, I can connect to him. Yeah. that And that's a place. That's, that's a, a meaningful place, not just a cemetery next to some other Right, and there's like a lot of lively, beautiful, wonderful yeah. things that happen there. So, yeah. and then you, there's no one spot. You're like, oh, these these inches are for my brother. Right, it's sort inches. of like no, it's a little more atmospheric with the wind and the trees and the you know, a little natural. We had a little pilgrimage up there, so that was nice. But the aquamation thing is interesting. Well, Some like people that. got really pissed and were writing like, oh, you want me to flush mom down the toilet? You know as we do on social media, sure. lose it a little. Sure. But I think it's it's nice because it's a green option as well. Yeah, and I, I just heard this thing on Paul Gilmartin's uh, podcast, the Mentally, Mental Illness Happy Hour. They had a woman talking about death, and she was saying that this industry is the, the death industry, morticians, it's really controlled by just a small group of old schoolers, essentially, like the way that the laws are set up or something. Oh, so now that California is opening it up to these different ways of disposing about like why not it's Which my I think fucking is cool mom because yeah exactly it's <laughs> why like can't I do and I, I want? i'm for the people that want to do the green burial i think it's awesome but i don't feel evangelical about it either it's like dude this is like, such a horrible time if there's anything that will in any way make you feel better do it like i yeah. i know someone who snuck some of her sister's ashes into disneyland oh. sorry walt disney but that that's was her awesome. place and that was like what was special for them that's awesome so i do think that kind of like creating any sort of ritual around it can be helpful with grief you know or like whether that's like writing a letter to your loved one or like staying actively engaged with it for me was helpful and like the whole podcast has been a grief sort of project for me which has been enriching to feel like well maybe this can be of benefit to somebody right because that's what we were talking about on your show is the the idea that like uh, you know there's so much senseless crap that happens to you in your lifetime and you can either go the route of like I'm going to shut down I'm going to drink I'm going to eat I'm going to gamble I'm going to become a, a shitty mess of a human or I'm going to feel these feelings I'm going to hurt I'm going to go through this and then I'm probably going to come out okay. Yeah. Which is what happens. You pr- if you process it, then you can sort of let it go. Yeah. But it's hard because grief is not, uh, they have those stages of grief, the Kubler-Ross stuff yeah. and you kind of go. And I, But I found that 
There are times I'm in acceptance. There are right. times it's I'm in cyclical. denial or whatever. Yeah. The denial stuff for me, I think it took a full year for me how, to How long ago did your mom die? 2015. 2015. Wait, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. we're on like, our, our grief trees are the same age. <laughs> oh, is that right? That. Yeah. Well, he died in November of 2015. So. Okay. Yeah. But it's still new. Like that's the yeah. thing too. People that have been grieving for five, 10 years, they're like, oh, it's still fresh. And I'm like, thank you. Cause I still feel a little like a wreck. Yes. And you yeah. said that you, we talked about you having a sort of, they talk about complicated grief. Yes. And with complicated grief, not to be the bearer of bad news, they say sometimes <laughs> time can make it worse. Oh, right. Whereas right? time heals all wounds. And then sometimes with, with really complicated grief, it can, which is not to say you at all, obviously, necessarily, but for some right. people who, for whom it really breaks their mind, yes. uh, it can, time can make it worse because they're oh. further away from the... From the person, basically. Oh, that's interesting. So that's scary. Oh, I see. Like, if you if you wanted to say something to them, is that the idea? Or maybe maybe you get deeper down your healing and you look back and I don't. And they're not here to resolve the shit. I don't know. I don't know. I don't fucking know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. For me, it got way better. My relationship okay. with my mother improved vastly when she died. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. There is relief in death. You like, can just talk honestly with her. Yeah. Now I'm like, oh. Now I I don't have the active anger process the, the weird cryptic things that would happen on her end because she was mentally ill and like that the, the it's over and I, and she's right and that and would I'm cloud it right that would yeah. cloud your relationship whatever oh, the storyline was right so it's so much easier so like, you do you feel I like you've her. found some peace with it and you can just say yeah I love you and yeah and I for, I forgive all her flaws and I especially now that I'm a mother I go like all right I got it. Right. I love you. You were just, you were sick and there's nothing I can do. And there was no way to have a relationship. A lot of times people email me and go, well, do you regret that you didn't have a relationship with her before she died? And I'm like, yeah, but there was no way to have it. I think that's brave of you to say that. Oh, it's not, you. well, it's not always, it's not always as simple as we'd like it to be, you know, no. sometimes not, sometimes staying away from someone is the best way to love them. Right. Yeah. Especially not that I'm yeah. quoting Blade Runner right, right. now, <laughs> ripping that off entirely. <laughs> But yeah, sometimes that person is too toxic or there's something going on that it's, it's, it can't work right now where for some reason it's not going to happen and that's fine too. Yeah. So yeah, I mean with the addiction thing, it was, oh boy. Yeah. I mean, I was mad about something for the last number of months of his life and there was always an up and up and down and an ebb and flow. And one thing I would say to people who had complicated relationships with their loved ones who died, which is probably most people to some degree or another, but especially the more complicated ones, I think it's um, good to understand that you could throw a dart at any moment of your relationship in time. And I could throw it and hit a high point or hit a lower point, but that that's not really the point. What, you know, it, it's great to be romantic about the last thing you said to them and the right. last thing they said to you. And it's nice to be reminded to tell your loved ones you love them every time they leave. But at the same time, what, what really matters is with kind of your heart connection with the person beyond yeah. that kind of you know everyday storyline right because i don't even remember the the storylines have really losing andrew helped me realize that the storylines we cling to of like well he's this and that are really hard can be really harmful and it's like usually better to choose 
love. Yeah. And at the same time, there are complicated situations like addiction or mental illness where you're like, you don't have to feel like a shitty person for not being able to, to be there all the time. Yeah. Nah, yeah, that's true. So wait, so with your brother, Andrew, though, had you, were you guys on speaking terms? Had he? Yeah, we were. I mean, yeah. we were, but he had just gotten out of jail. Mm-hmm. And like, I live in LA, he was in Colorado and um, we didn't talk while he was in jail. He typically wouldn't be in touch and I didn't reach out, you know, yeah, which I yeah. kind of regret. And at the same time, it was so painful to like hear him and that it was just like, it was just like, you know, it's just really hard to go there with him. Why was he, what was he in jail for? Oh, what for was it? it was for a, another drinking and driving incident. Yeah. yeah so, so it's it very kind of that. But then he, yeah, he would sometimes like steal, st- you know, he was kind of petty criminal alcoholic sort of things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so the last time I saw him, you know, he, I got out of the car and he said, you look like a movie star. And he gave me a big <laughs> hug, but then I could tell he looked ghostly. It was weird. This was weeks before he died. He looked kind of ghostly and it was kind of painful to see him. And we talked about getting coffee the next day and I didn't text him and he didn't text me. And I left the following day. I was excited about some work thing. And so obviously that's a coffee date that's sort of hanging in suspension in my mind, you know, but it doesn't really matter because there were a lot of other ones where we did. Yeah. So it's not worth beating myself up about. And that's the thing you realize, like you were just saying, it's kind of the long game of somebody's existence. It's not the final moment. It's not the final. If you were shitty to your loved one and then you had a really nice last time together, guess what? It doesn't make up for everything else. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's hard though. I imagine imagine to have a relationship with an addicted brother like that too is that's isn't that complicated grief too it is yeah Yeah, it is and he's the older brother he should be my protector you know and was and so was in so many ways but he had like an on off switch of when he was there and when he wasn't right which is the nature of addiction right and what was his what was this that he was drinking yeah mostly drinking but he got into crack at one point and i think that's when he kind of kissed his that's like when it took a turn where I felt like I didn't even quite know how to engage with him you know right felt like there's no depths of return which makes sense for you not to want to speak to him when when he's in jail for another thing that he did and you know what I mean like yes yeah why would you want to like right it's it's and it was just just like since I was five you know five years old or something but at the same time we were very close and I saw him about a year before he died and he took me to dinner and he was sober and he was in a really good space. And he said, I've just had memories from childhood that I'm, uh, you know, totally that I had repressed abuse memories that I Mm. didn't know. And he was like, that's where my addiction comes from. Yep. Cause he's like, I can do all the 12 steps and everything, but until I cure the trauma, it's like clipping the branches of weeds that are growing. It's going to, uh, there's yeah. a root and it's going to keep growing. And I, you know, yeah. And I asked him what like to tell me exactly what happened and he was like if I tell you now I'll cry for a week but I promise I'll tell you someday. And he didn't. Ah. But knowing that he had that gave me more compassion for him as well, right? And um and relief on his end. I imagine that that was the beginning of him begin like the healing process of what the trauma is and we can go back and at least he had that 
epiphany is what I'm saying. I think so. No, I think so. I mean, to to be conscious about what's going on. You talk a lot about being conscious. And I think he was more conscious in that sense that that was like the big elephant in the room of his mind was actually that Mm. trauma which is why they say trauma therapy is one of the best cures for addiction. Yeah, I've read that, or my shrink, no, my shrink told me that addiction or um, is repressed anger. Yeah, mm. probably the result of some kind of a trauma that that was. Like, Look, fucking yeah. watch celebrity rehab. Yeah, <laughs> I mean uh, that's all it is. Is like, well, what happened to you? I was molested, and then nobody, nobody, we never treated the right. the trauma so being. Molested I read from one do- one doctor. I read ritual comfort seeking is what he called. It. He's like, uh, I don't use addiction. I use ritual comfort seeking. Yeah, and he said the best way to do it is replace it with something else. Makes sense. Yeah, uh, oh, and a lot you of still times, need the comfort. He's like, just accept it. You're f- you're fucked up. You yeah. need the comfort, figure out a better way. A better solution, yeah, than alcohol or, or drugs or whatever. What was I going to fucking say? Yeah. Oh, oh, and reenacting the trauma. A lot of times, I've, I've learned this from listening to Paul Gilmartin's podcast, is that, especially with sexual abuse, people tend to reenact the abusive situation over and over again, mm. the trauma to try to change the outcome, right? Like, oh, and I think that happens in all forms of abuse is that you kind of, you will replay that you'll pick, you'll cast different people to recreate this trauma until you have resolved it, which is really fascinating. If you look back on your life, it makes and so like, much sense. Yeah, how many bosses were the same way that, you know, or whatever? How many boyfriends Boyfriend, did I have that were total yeah. creeps? Because I was reenacting this thing to to finally solve it. Mm. So, so where so where are you now in your grieving? Yeah, well, I wanted to say because I feel like we talk about how people don't talk a lot about death in general, and the you know, and grief and the pain of it. Um, and I also don't think that possibly even more people don't talk about the some of the beautiful side that comes with losing someone because it sounds more taboo to be like there's a good side to this right but i personally felt my heart super cracked open you know like whatever layers around it just kind of cracked open and i feel like that has increased my empathy for other people and um the way that i you know, make time and space for my loved ones, no matter what. Um, and, and just the preciousness of my own life. Cause when it's a sibling, you're like your own mortality is a little bit wrapped up with theirs. Cause you're the same age and you grew up together and they've always been there. And if, if they can die, you know, there's this added element to, if it's a parent, it's just different. I mean, talk right, about right. a no, child, don't mean. even go there. Right. But it's your peer. It's the yeah. person that you were raised it's your with. your society. And- like your society was those kids if you had siblings. So for a sibling to die, um, gives you this like mid, you know, I feel like I had like an early midlife crisis or something. Yeah. And I feel grateful for that. Not glad it happened, but because it happened, I'm, I'm more happy with the person that I've become coming out of it than I was before. Yeah. I feel really like just happy to be alive. And like, it's brought a little bit of that childlike wonder that we were talking yeah. about before, just to know how brief and precious life is. Yeah. I yeah. really eat all the good tacos and smell right. all the good flowers <laughs> and have the good laughs. So That's there is true. this joy. And I felt a certain, this is like a more weirdo spin on it but I felt like a certain mystical blessing energy at that time in my life like a lot of weird luck things happened to me and 
there's a Native American saying that you can inherit the blessings of your loved one, that oh. you inherit the blessings of your loved one when they die, that they leave something behind, oh, wow. like inheritance, but it's... But it's a, kar- like a karmic a, or something. A, yeah, more of a luck, blessing, energy. That's true. Or just magic. I don't know what, some essence, some mm-hmm. pixie dust thing. And I have to say that like we really, my husband and I really weirdly got a house that like mm-hmm. all these different things had to come together. Um, and we ended up getting the house right behind my parents, which we someday want to like be there. And um, and with the podcast and a lot of things in my own career, there's just so, like, I just felt really like uh, the universe was throwing a lot of blessings at me, which is not how I always feel. <laughs> And I've heard other people express that too. Yeah. Can I or tell maybe you? I was just more aware, but no, I think there's something to that. They say like babies bring blessings. And when, by the yeah. time Alice was born, it was like our life had totally changed, just totally changed in, in really great ways. And I do think that I think the universe balances out your hor- your horrific luck. Mm, interesting. I think I do. And I, I don't know, but at least for me, I've had like horrendously bad luck on one thing. And then, what? That is crazy. Like that kind of shit happens where you're like, I am so, that was rad. Wow. Was you're like borrowing day. luck from yourself. <laughs> yeah. I do feel like it balances this some point. Like you may not have unlucky shit here and then it'll come around. I think that balance right. is a, a good thing to stay aware of. Yeah. Or you just, you just stay aware. Cause even when Conscious. you start to think that, cause the world's so in flux and when you start to think that the world just sucks, which happens yes. inevitably at some point, you're just wrong because it everything always changes. That's the thing. And then I learned that in therapy. I learned that in therapy. Yes. yes. <laughs> everything does change. Eventually it gets better. It can't so you stay. can't even hold on to your own, you know, and that's true with grief too. I think it does yeah. change and it does, but I did a grief group too, which was helpful. Oh, what's that? It's where you sit around with other people and at first you're like, oh, I have the fucking common with these people is that we all lost a sibling. <laughs> like, and that's the last thing you want to have in common with someone and you're like, I don't like the way she talks about whatever. And this is so. And then weeks and weeks and weeks go by and you really hear their stories and it's really painful. And then you get past the painful sharing point and you just are really present with each other. And for me and for us, and there are some really incredible people in the group, but um, a lot these you can find in a lot of cities for free or very sliding scale. Ooh. And... You just like talk about what you're going through and what they're going through and you laugh and you cry and it's totally helpful. I like that. I like that because um, I do feel like the the only way to get through the grief or through the depression or through it is to completely fall apart. You have to have the breakdown to have that breakthrough after and to get through to like the next layer of like, all right, it doesn't get any darker. <laughs> as dark as it gets right now. Yep. Yep. Yeah, right? And then and then it gets a little easier. It gets harder or whatever or whatever. But, yeah. yeah. And it's nice with to have other people around that are going, even if it's like an online finding other people going through something similar, because one, it makes you go, oh, you know, you feel care, you express your hurt and then you have love and care surrounding it, which is like one definition of healing. Two, and this might even be more important, you go, oh, my shit's not the only shit. And you can be so stuck in it and on why, 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 which was one of the least helpful and maybe necessary. I don't know. 
stages was the why. Yeah. And I tried to find the why and I still haven't. And I don't think that it's there. Mm -mm. But when you're just so focused on the why, you can't, you forget that everyone else is crying why as well for their own thing. So seeing other people suffer and even having stories that I was like, you win the grief (laughs) therapy group trophy. Yours is the worst. Uh, Even people like that um, help you go, oh, it's not actually all about me and my suffering. Right. And it's not also a contest because I I do think, yeah, people always go, well, I can't feel sad about my thing because that person has such a worse story. And it's like, it doesn't matter. Everyone's got the story and everyone needs to feel the the sadness that goes with their respective story. Um, and also what you said about the why, like I do, here's what I think happened with my uh, religious crisis or spiritual crisis. I just the had one a month ago. The one, about the a month one ago. that you've been having the rest yeah. of your life. <laughs> yeah. The existential. Uh, now it was when a rat got into our house and I remember being like, there's no, fucking cosmic i don't know about that here's what i know i know that we're you know we're thrust in the world and you build your house to keep out the rats and the elements and it's survival and it's in in a way and it's just like you're you're in this natural world and there sometimes the why does drive you crazy and what i've found that really helps is radical acceptance like the the why is key it keeps me in the 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 crisis the victim of it why but why me why am i suffering god damn it why did i have to do with that and that keeps me in victim. Whereas I go, it's, it, I just radically accept it. Uh, it is. It just fucking is. Surrender, surrender. And you surrender to the shittiness of that. Mm-hmm. The quicker I get to that, then I go through it, through the eye of the needle. And then it's like, all right, dude, I, why isn't up to me? That's not my question anymore. That's what Then whoever's. there's like freedom when you get through the eye of the needle. Yeah. I feel like what you just God. described was like a classic kind of like a Buddhist enlightenment tale. Oh. Like, he Is meditated it? for 17 <laughs> years and he lost every member of his family, but it wasn't until this rat came and took his cracker. It all made sense. Right. It was the fucking rat. It was. Because here I am. I live in this great house that I've insulated. I feel as though I've created a life in a world that I've got a bubble. I've got the kid. I've got the husband. I've got the mortgage. I've got the cars. I've got the career. It's all here. And then a rat got in. Now, how did that fucking happen? You did everything and right. And I did everything right. <laughs> and this rat is shitting in my kitchen, <laughs> shitting in my house, this beautiful house. And it, that's when it occurred to me, like, the, it's really just about keeping the fucking rats out as best you can. <laughs> and, like, there is no rhyme or reason to the rat get it. There is no why the rat is in. And the rat's always going to get in. That's right. And it's Sooner really... or later. That's right. Just find and the hole. it's definitely going to shit on your floor. That's right. <laughs> so prepare for that. Know that it's not personal. It's not... That's another thing. I feel like the, the yes. shit's not personal. That's Everyone a, has. That's definitely yeah. an important thing is, is remembering that. And that's yeah. why talking to other people about their pain is helpful too because... I definitely was a, f- a little offended. Right. You know? right. I was like, because you always see that family on the news and all of a sudden oh we God. were that family. And I was like, that's not how I identify. We're not that family. You know, and it was like it, on some level insulting to my ego and identity that this happened. Right. Why me? Yeah. Why me? Why him? He's 30, 37. What did I do? Yeah. yeah. Why, why that guy? Why not this shithead over here? Yeah, totally. Why not this piece of shit, Steve yeah. Bannon? Why doesn't that guy <laughs> fucking jump in a lake? Yeah. Everyone else is a lot. Yeah, the, the rotten ones. God takes the good ones. That's what my mother used to say. Oh, yeah. That one's always interesting. <sighs> 
Well, I mean, yeah, John Lennon's dead. And, you know, fucking Garth Brooks is what I was saying. (laughs) (laughs) Whoever, whoever you don't like is walking, you know, making shitty music. Absolutely. And John Lennon got murdered. But, uh, yeah, it's not, it's an impersonal universe. I I don't think that God hand selects who suffers more and why. And, you know, like that Job story where God just throws shit at Job and I'm still a believer. Like, really? You think you give up on the abusive (laughs) God? This God sucks. Like who does that to you? That's a, that's a shitty parent. Yeah. Who's testing you. Abusive alcoholic father. Yeah. All right. Is God that guy? Daddy. (laughs) The codependent Job is the codependent (laughs) asshole on the floor. Like, Oh, it's all right. Can can I do something better next time? Maybe daddy will love me. Yeah. Ringing his hand. Right. Trying to get daddy's love and approval. It's not, yeah, it's not about that. It's just like some bad shit, you know? And the older I get, the more I just see it. And I, you know, so-and-so just passed away at a young age. Didn't we just lose? We just lost Tom Petty. Who else did we just fucking lose? I feel like there's another goodie. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I feel like no, we just there lost was. There was another one. That was awesome. And look, we can't even we can't, remember who they ooh, are. Fuck them, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> Lifetime uh, of creativity. Someone's going to be saying the shit about me one day. Like, remember that podcast? Um, <laughs> That just bad things happen all every day, all the time, and there is no sense. And and like to take it personally is the biggest mistake of them all. Because mm-hmm. you're just like, oh God, what? Am I? Well, that's where like having a sense of humor and a light touch is helpful. And it's yeah. been helpful that my family has been very good at laughing through it. And like when we were on our way to his funeral, after he called me from Skype, my brother, what? ring ring, right before the funeral, Andrew McLean calling. I was like, and I fully legitimately believed it. I was like, this is the new iOS feature calls from your dead loved ones. (laughs) And it was like another old family member of mine who didn't know what they were doing calling from his Skype account because they were like visiting and needed to call. (laughs) Wow. And they are like, isn't that the cosmic joke here? Yeah. I was like, yeah, I cannot even say how furious I am right now, but it's my mind is so blown. I'm it's, it was fine. Wow. Um, It was such a cosmic joke. Um, but right after that, we were kind of sitting around and we were telling Andrew, like ridiculous Andrew stories. And in my family, we tease a lot. And that's like a big part of how we express love is by teasing. And we were kind of roasting him. Like he's about, we're about to go to his funeral. And we we're like, remember the time he blew up the toaster by putting juice in it? Who fucking thaws juice in a toaster oven? Um, and that was really, you know, one of the only moments that day that I can look back on and smile. Yeah. So... I think also keeping that yeah. humor alive is good. Yeah, and then you you glean the. I mean, at least for me, I I glean the good bits of my of my mom. You know, I look back now and I go like, yeah, she was real funny. Like she, there was really like she had a great sense of humor, uh, and I she always had red nails. And you know, mm-hmm. like there are there little things mm-hmm. that you kind of go like, oh yeah, okay, I, I get the good stuff, and that's all I remember now is the good stuff. Yeah, well, yeah. that's something that changes with death, right? Yeah. Like someone said there's always relief in death, and that's true, too, is that you're like, it's a relief that I'm not constantly worrying my brother's going to get into a car accident. That's right. He did. That's right. And then especially when you do have a, a family member or whoever, loved one that's addicted, mentally ill, especially with borderlines. My mom was a borderline. That, that, those are, that's tricky. The, <laughs> chilling. <laughs> uh, the thing is, is that the, they, don't, they don't live very long. And so I had right, come to expect right. the phone call. And I, I was always like, there's going to be the, the call. I'm going to get the call. What, is it today? Is it tomorrow? Me is too. It ten, yeah. Yep. And you know you're going to get the call when you're involved with an addict or a mentally ill 
person. And so when you get the call, it's almost a relief because you're like, that's, that was my worst case scenario. And now it's here. And now we're going to go through that. Yeah. That's it. You know, because it's, it is harder worrying about them and what's going to happen. And ugh, so horrible. It's yeah. The, the, the worry, the bracing yourself is very tense and stressful. So you're like, there's a underlying anxiety, but your mom must've done something right because you turned out yeah. To know how to be a mom. So she, you must yeah, have yeah. deep down somewhere gotten... Some, she did. There like, are people out there who are just like, please don't have a kid. <laughs> Even if you've done like lots of work, yeah, please yeah, yeah. don't. You're not maternal. Promise no, she, she was very good at taking care of my basic needs. Like my mother was very regimented and like, you know, we, there was consistency. I will say like definitely like dinner on the table, breakfast, da, 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 da. like she was very... Reg- she She trained me to be a... A grown up by the time I was like, I was self sufficient by the time I was uh, nine. That was like her goal so she could die or something crazy. So that was really good because I was, I was a little fucking Marine, you know? Anyway, yeah. So tell me about you have a, a website, the when you wait, when you die website. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm through like, cause we, I call it the Tao of comedy, but it sometimes turns into the Tao of tragedy. And we have this kind of conversation, <laughs> Same shit. which has been um, totally therapeutic and also good to, to like touch on the light and the dark, you know? Um, but through that, this website reached out to me and I was like, oh, this is awesome. And um, so I, I host a podcast for them where we talk about this kind of death stuff and I write for them as well. And it's, it's one of a lot of sites out there that's a good resource for people that are going through it. It's meant to be kind of a, a hub in the future for, you know, people to talk about this kind of thing and then the get your shit together mm-hmm. and, um, the death salon and the, um, order of the good death. There's a lot of good resources out there for people. I love it. Yeah. So get, get weird and get dead. Get weird. Yeah. Claim. <laughs> Is that your sitcom? No, get, get dead. dead. Get weird and dead. <laughs> Is there anything um, you'd like to say to somebody right now who's going through the grieving process? Is there anything that you would recommend to help? Because I think that's the thing is when you're in it, you're just, you just want out. Like it's just so terrible. So what, what would you say to that person? Well, I would probably first say, I'm so sorry, whoever is out there listening that has gone through something like that, because there's just no preparing for it. And your heart just breaks a million ways, and so does your psyche, and on so many levels. Um, I read a book title recently that is, It's Okay, You're Not Okay, mm. and I really liked that. So I would say to someone, It's Okay, You're Not Okay. It's like a play on I'm Okay, You're Okay from the 70s. Or oh, maybe that's that it. Because that, yeah. that was the big thing, I'm Okay, You're Okay. Oh, so now no, it's, it's, it's You're Not, not okay, okay, and That's Okay. <laughs> oh, that's So that's brilliant. probably another great resource right there. Um, but, but yeah, I think it's just like, it's going to be fucked up for a while, dude. Really. And yeah. that's also okay. And you probably will discover a lot of strength and resources within yourself that you didn't know that you had. Because you are going to probably handle it and keep on trucking yeah and just the everything changes thing so it, it i've had moments where it feels really unbearable and you know where i was having like flashes of car accidents like 20 times a day and became convinced that i myself was destined to get mm-hmm. in a car accident which you know like out there psychological stuff like it really messes with your psyche yes and if you research grief stuff it's legitimately like just it's okay to be crazy for a while you're probably going to be and don't give yourself a hard time about it 
just be really kind to yourself. Yeah. And um, I remember... I remember feeling really weird having to go back to life. Like I remember my mom died. Fucking totally. Yeah. Right? And you're like, wait, I'm just driving in my car. I'm going to the grocery store now. Like, how am I? It's going, it's all just still going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, almost what? like with the funeral and the things around it, everyone's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. There's this outpouring. And then like two weeks later, not a fucking nothing. <laughs> Everything's back to normal. It's like, yeah, I could get, you give me that article to, you know? Yeah. And you're just like, oh, I guess things just go on and that's almost yes. the hardest phase it's like the the two weeks to three months where you're you have to like sort of go back yeah and which brings me to the thought that um you know is there ever a great time in life to do things like it's not as though life stops and you well just, that's what i sort of wanted to ask you about having yeah. a baby like oh, is right. there a right time yes like i just met you i'm not gonna tell you <laughs> when to have your baby but then she did anyway there is there is a right time there when you're right time. when you're wealthy enough when you've got the money and a great relationship and a, a great place and to your raise career it. is where you feel comfortable walking yeah. away from Be, it. Listen, don't listen to fucking people that say that shit. When is the right time? There, there's a, <laughs> exactly a right time. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Money. <laughs> career is somewhat structured set up that you've got some structures not to be you don't have to be perfectly set up but that you're kind of good a good relationship that's stable and then a home a nice home to raise a baby in yeah, yeah. sounds fucking right to me yeah don't listen like to good lazy condition. yeah the kid's like yeah have me in any condition no thank you no. there is a right time. no you schmuck of course there's a right time to have a baby totally but what we were gonna say God. is there a right time to lose a loved one right is there no there's always this idea i keep thinking of um abraham lincoln and i guess he dealt with crippling depression if this is what i'm thinking of yes he yes did. And it's interesting because you look at somebody like him and in spite of extreme... The top hat that was very cheerful. They're very, the malls, the wooden teeth. No, that was Washington. Uh, in spite of the self-loathing and depression, he accomplished these great things. And, you know, so many so many people are like, I can't do that because it's not the right... I'm depressed. Or I... when You know, when is the great time to live your life? You know, you, you have to always as an adult simultaneously... You grieve and raise your babies. And Absolutely. The, you can't like, like take a, you know, take a leave from your parenthood. Right. Because, or, or from lifehood, really. Or from lifehood or from your job. You have to keep living. And yeah. for me, that was probably where a lot of the space and freedom came was from live, continuing to live life. Because actually sitting around and doing nothing and thinking about your problems is like probably the oh. worst thing. You might need that for a very yeah, short yeah, yeah, period yes, of yeah. time, of course, to convalesce. But um, yeah, to I think to have an even greater spirit of life when something like this happens and of using it fully is like the only way to go, right? Yeah. And But also to be gentle with yourself. Like I told you, I, I stopped doing as much stand-up when this yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah. And that, that for some people, like the Tignataros of the world, like <laughs> fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, if you're really uh, sensitive and it's already like me and it's already really hard to do something like stand up, you know, yeah. um, I think it's great to also be like, okay, I'm not going to stop being a performer, but I'm going to take a break and maybe I'm going to focus on podcasting instead of stand up yes. right now and writing and, you know, to to nurture yourself, but to, you know, definitely not use it as an excuse to stop moving life forward. Right. Exactly. And for some people doing stand up is 
the therapeutic thing and for others, totally. the totally not right thing for you to be doing. You need to incubate and be quiet and calm and then go back later or whatever. Yeah, that's true. Be kind to yourself. That's how I forget that one a lot. <laughs> Self-care. That's what my Self-care. shrink calls it. Self-care, yes. You need, to, you need to care for yourself like you are your own daughter, right? Yeah. It's so true. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, any other thoughts? Any last thoughts that you can think of? Any Any last itchings that you'd like to share with people? Hmm, let me think. Well, just that going through something like this just reminds you the the only real takeaway because it still doesn't make sense and you know sucks and all of that. Um, and you don't like I don't really feel like I've figured anything out based on this, or maybe more the opposite. But um, to just the only thing that I have taken away from this, if anything, is just like to just just like love to just yeah. let it just let yourself let let yourself be a beacon for love and warmth and light for other people because whatever you're going through, there are a lot of other people going through similarly devastating versions. I agree. I think you're right. And I think that is the why. It's the, yeah. the the why is there is no there is no answer. The the that one will make you crazy. But yeah. the, the why is that you're here to help somebody else go through it. I think we've we did solve some yeah. of the world's problems mm-hmm. here. Done. We're done guys. Did. Because if <laughs> because if you're if think about this world for a second too where like nothing tragic ever happens. Nah. That's also creeptacular. Who are those people? <laughs> I hate them so much. Are there a world people? where there's, well, I'm just saying oh, yeah. a different world yeah, in yeah. which it's, you know, some sort of utopian thing where it's just always nice things. Everyone's like nice it. and there's no, nothing bad happens. Sounds good to me. There would be no stand-up comedy for sure. That's true. <laughs> There'd be no comedians. Yeah. No, no writers. There would be no, no, no real edge and deep uh, inspiration to look deeper into no. what's going on. No musicians. So it's also a blessing that we have the the dark and the pain. Too. There you go. You have to embrace the dark side of the force, right? Carl yes. Jung, the, the shadow self. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kelly McLean. Thank you so much. This has been delightful. I'm Thanks so for that. Glad. What do I owe you for the therapy session? Oh, Is stop it. Two twenty five. It's five hundred dollars. I've tripled to double my rate. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter? Um, at the Kelly McLean. You got on Twitter else? and Instagram. That's the, about it. I have a Facebook as well, Kelly okay. McLean Comedy. Okay. You got any dates coming up? You want people to come see yet? Oh, I do. Um, next weekend, I'm sa- I'm I'm saving the horses. That's what I was going to uh-huh. say. I'm doing a fundraiser for saving the horses in Salt River, uh, Arizona. Oh. Um, so, wild salt. Uh, what is it? Wild. Horse Foundation from Salt River, Arizona is doing a gala event next weekend. So if you happen to be in Phoenix or that area, it's okay. going to save lots of horses. So I'm hosting uh, that. Um, and then I'm, I have a show at the Federal Bar November 17th. So the Federal the Bar? Yeah. Where's that? It's in Burbank. It's Burbank. Do you have a, <laughs> you have a freaking website? No, my website's <gasps> down. My, I know, I know. Oh, all right. I will, though. Squarespace. Use promo code. I bought bro. one. KelMcLean.com. Okay. Well, then you got you to fucking use your promo code, bro. I'm going to get it up by the time this is up. Okay. Yes, you do. That's going to be your <laughs> chore. That's my challenge. Thank right. you. Well, thank you so much for being here. And um, you should definitely come back. Come back in like a year and let's see how oh, you feel. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's, yeah, that would be good. I had like Kevin Christie three. on like a year after and it was really interesting what happens over the course that of That would year. be a very good study. You can write about it. Put it on your calendar. <laughs> All right. Thank, thank you, you so Kelly. much. Now what? 
I don't know. Philosophize with Philosophize with It's Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans This ain't your mom's house, it's a different theme Gotta be critically thinking Like you caught up at a cocktail party Our thoughts start to sink in John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates Got us talking all properly, topically Just a comedian discussing these philosophies Serious questions, silly people What's that? That's deep, bro it is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep.